0: Hi, I'm Tanya Yeremkev and this is a collection of my audio blogs. This particular episode is part of a series called Through the Bible, where I take a chapter from the Bible and talk through it by sharing insights, revelations, and perspectives from my recent studies. Welcome back to Through the Bible series. I am so excited that you're here, that you're tuning in. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this episode and connect with me on social media if you can. I would love to help you go through the Bible and help you find transformation in every area of your life through Jesus. And so I want to dive right in and talk about the first two chapters of Matthew. So I'm going to go over Matthew chapter 1 and possibly Matthew chapter two. If I don't get to it, then you'll see it in another episode. I love the gospel of Matthew. I love it because it is written to the Jews and it is proof to them of why Jesus is the Messiah. And this is so phenomenal to read through and really get a good understanding because even the way that Matthew is writing in this gospel, he portrays Jesus as someone who it almost sounds like he's putting people down in it. But what's really coming across is the authority that Jesus is teaching with. It's not him putting anyone down. He's coming at them with a holy judgment. And I'm talking about like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's really, really phenomenal to read through. I think that in our Western culture, Christian mindset, we might read it and kind of hear it in our own heads as this offensive Statement, But it's not like that. So going through Matthew chapter one, it starts us off with this massive genealogy list that starts from Abraham goes to Jacob, Judah, David, all the way to Mary and her getting impregnated by the Holy Spirit and supernaturally having this pregnancy with Jesus um, before ever knowing another man. And so this is really phenomenal because I know that a lot of times we want to skip through the genealogy but I want to share a fun fact with you how genealogies are recorded in most other cultures. So many other cultures will value this information because it says who you like where you come from. This is who you are because of where you come from. That's not a very common practice in America and it's really interesting to know how this is a common practice in other cultures. I heard this story once where I think I read it in a book. And once I find it, maybe I'll link it in the description, but that might take some time. I don't remember which book it could have been. But there was a story there of how there was a missionary or a group of missionaries that went to a remote island or a remote group of people where they brought the gospel to them and they lived there with them. They learned the language. They spent a lot of time there. And at one point they decided to translate the New Testament Starting with the book of Matthew, they figured, well, we'll just skip the genealogies and we'll just go, you know, right into the good stuff We'll we'll get right into it so that they know that Jesus is truly the way. And so they translate the gospels and maybe a few other books and whatnot. They give it to this group of people and the group of people, they read through it and they are fascinated. But then they come back to the people who were translating and they're like, so... It like, is this, what kind of story is this? We've never heard this fairy tale before, even though they were already spending time with them and like sharing the gospel of Jesus. They were just like, where does Jesus come from? Like, did he just appear? Like, how did he, how did he come about? And so one of the translators goes back and he translates the genealogy. He gives it to them and they're like, oh, that makes so much more sense Because we see where he's coming from. We see that there's this long storyline and how he actually comes about to be on earth. That is just... I don't know. That's so cool, like to think about that. Genealogies in the Bible, they might be boring and cumbersome to read through, but they actually have a lot of purpose and a lot of reason behind them to really prove that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. That by him, through him, we have salvation and are ultimately freed from sin forever. I I just get so excited about that because it's things, it's little nuggets like these when going through the Bible that really help helps me understand that the word of God is really true and not only is it true but it is alive and it's active and it's working in our lives today and it has the power to transform our lives and I'm not just saying it as as the bible because in and of itself it's just a book but the word that's actually in it the the word that is made flesh is in it that we learn and that we can embody in our day-to-day lives that's what's so fascinating to me when I read through genealogies now and it makes me excited to go back and read through the genealogies of the old testament because then maybe I can make my own connections maybe I can get a better understanding of who comes from where and why to an extent like I say that our Christian western culture isn't super into that but we have all these ancestry.com and we have the DNA tests and all of these things because we're always as as humans it's in our nature to question who am I and where do I come from and why like why am I here on earth and so when you read through Matthew chapter 1 I hope that kind of irks you to be like this is where Jesus comes from Jesus came from this lineage and That's the whole setup throughout the whole Bible, which is why I'm so excited to just go through the Bible and connect the dots and hopefully just make Bible reading easy for you. Hopefully make Bible studying more understandable so that you can deepen your relationship with God and just get a better understanding of the word and also become a true disciple of Jesus so that you're able to disciple others as well. And I talk about that in one of my first episodes of Through the Bible series. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, I encourage you to go check it out. When I started studying it around this time, there were a couple things that stood out to me with the commentary that I was using. And the commentary that I use is the Jewish New Testament by David H. Stern. So if you... Don't have that, I encourage you to get it. It is an extensive study and it comes from a Hebrew perspective. So I really appreciate that about this commentary and I believe it will help you as it has helped me. And so here are some of the things that just stood out to me when I was studying through Matthew chapter one. The first point is that Jesus meets the requirements that are set by the Tanakh. For who the Messiah must be. Tanakh is really just the Hebrew Bible, the Jewish sacred writings, which contains the Torah and it's primarily the Old Testament. But, anyways, so Jesus meets the requirements set by the Hebrew Bible for who the Messiah must be. And when you read through the entire Bible, you will find these points made and connect the dots that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. I'm going to go through a few of those points, but again, this is all found in Matthew chapter one. You can add these notes or you can just simply meditate on this. Because Jesus is a descendant of Abraham, he's a descendant of Jacob, a descendant of Judah, a descendant of Jesse and David and Zerubbabel. He meets the requirements because with each of these people, there is a prophetic word said that Jesus will come from their seed. And I have the points and I can list them um, and I'll list them in the description below so that if you wanted to study it a little bit deeper, you could. Messiah means um, the idea of being given God's priestly and kingly authority. So the reason that this is very important is because through these descendants, the there are priests and kings that Jesus had to have come from. And when we read through those stories, then we can see how and why God chose the seed to go through that person and how from generation to generation it was that person was placed strategically in the timeline of Jesus. So as the son of Abraham, this has four significant meanings that number one, both King David and Jesus trace their ancestry back to the individual chosen by God as the father of the Jewish people. So Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. And if that can get traced back to and Jesus is in that lineage, then you can trust that he is the Messiah. Number two, Yeshua is the promised seed of Abraham. And that's found in Genesis 13 and Galatians 3 verse 16. And when you look at those verses, you'll see when God was saying this in the Old Testament, that Abraham would have a seed, that through Abraham's seed, the generations would be blessed. That seed is Jesus. And that's super exciting for us because we get to live in that freedom and be part of that lineage, that generational blessing that is set upon Abraham. And then number four, so the Messiah's mystical identity with the Jewish people is hinted at since every Jew is a son of Abraham. So again, this is... Matthew talking to the Jews and he's writing to the Jews to help them understand that Jesus really is the Messiah. And so when the mystical identity of Jesus comes about, this is for the Jewish people their culture is really cool. And one of the things that they do is by, I don't know how it is nowadays, but I know that in historical times, by ages four and five, the boys would start memorizing the entire Torah. They would memorize the first five books of the Bible and they would know it by heart. And then the older that they got, they would have more and more memorized. Whenever Messiah's Identity is hinted at, and he's revealed as the Messiah over and over and over again to the Jewish people. Then, in their minds, they're going through all of the things that they've memorized in times past. So, in in times past, meaning all of the things that they memorized in the Torah, they're going to look for those scriptures that match. Is he really Messiah? Could he really be Messiah in the prophecy books? Is he Messiah? Is it true what Isaiah said in chapter 9, that he's the Messiah, that he's the coming Messiah? That's why Matthew is written in this way. And then the fourth point is that Yeshua also has a mystical identity with everyone who believes in him, whether Jewish or Gentile. And I have some scriptures here, which I'll list in the description below. Even though the book of Matthew was written towards the Jews, it was also written in a way where his identity can be made known. Later on, throughout the gospels, throughout the epistles, we find that when Jesus died for everyone on the cross, he really did die for everyone. He didn't just die for the Jews to save the Jews. He didn't just die for the Gentiles to save the Gentiles. He died for every single person. He, he died for all people. And we can find that later in Matthew 28, the very end of the book, where Jesus sets the Great Commission and says, go make disciples of all nations. In him saying all nations, that really probably shook up the Jews a lot because they were like, wait, you mean like the Gentiles too? You mean like the Samaritans? Like, ew. Maybe that was the case. You never know. It's just really cool how the Bible was written for us to do this, to be able to see Jesus as Messiah, to be able to understand that, okay, like the Bible is written to the Jews and to the Gentiles and that we're not left out of it. We're not left out of the big picture. When we read through Books like Matthew, especially chapter one with the genealogies and et cetera, that is all there for a reason, a very specific reason so that we would understand and come to know him as our savior. And so when you think about Matthew chapter one, or if people start asking you, hey, like what's Matthew chapter one about? You can officially say that's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And without it, the rest of the book wouldn't make sense. We need that to be there. Another point that's really interesting: the many women that are mentioned in Jesus's genealogy. So you got Tamar, Rahab, you got Ruth, the wife of Uriah, which is Bathsheba, which is interesting how her name isn't even listed there. And then we got Mary. Women, especially those born of Gentiles, were rarely included in biblical genealogies. So if you go through the Old Testament genealogies, you'll find you won't find many. Listed there. The first four, they are all Gentile women whom God honored by including them among the recorded an- ancestors of Jesus. This is how the Jews and the Gentiles are made one in God's eyes there really isn't a separation there. So when we're talking about race, when we're talking about male versus female, when we're talking about different types of cultures, there really isn't a separation in God's eyes because he sees us. It's not that he sees us all the same, but he sees us in the same light because we're all covered by Jesus. Jesus stands in the gap for us, is our righteousness so that we can be made blameless before the throne of God. That's on Matthew chapter one, and I'll I'll probably do the next chapter at a later time, but that's all the time that I have for today, and I really hope that you enjoyed that. Go through Matthew chapter one, meditate on the fact that the genealogy is there for a reason and that God was very intentional in putting it there. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. I hope you found this audio blog inspiring, and I'll see you next time.